Sometimes life is difficult and you just need a hand to lift you up. The Bible is full of those helping hands, but how do you access them? How do you apply them? Join our weekly conversation and think about the Bible like you never have before. Listen, watch, and interact with us at ChristianQuestions.com. You're listening to Christian Questions. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Somebody once said, the person you take a bullet for ends up being the one behind the gun. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, we thank you for joining us today. This is a contact-friendly format, and we welcome your thoughts via email, messaging us at ChristianQuestions.com, Facebook, and our website chat board. So, Jonathan, what's the subject for our podcast today? Well, Rick, our question is, how do I strike back at betrayal? And our theme text is found in Psalms 55, 12, and 13. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who exalted himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion, and my familiar friend. So it's all about betrayal. And no one ever wants to experience betrayal. It's easily one of the most devastating life events we can imagine. When we come face to face with it, it shocks, breaks, and undermines much, if not all, of what we hold dear. For many, once we are betrayed, it becomes a cancer that cannot be cured, a wound that will not heal, and a darkness that will not relent. Betrayal devastates us because it violates trust, and trust is sacred. So what do we do when we're betrayed? How do we cope? Is it even possible to rebuild our lives after such a disaster? And what about those who did the betraying? Is it possible for them to recover? How do we get to the point of ever trusting again? So, Jonathan, this is a heavy-duty, deep, deep subject today. And coming up on today's podcast, folks, again, betrayal is devastating. So what does the fallout look like once the dust settles? What does it look like? I'm going to be touching on, are all betrayals alike? They're not. What are some varied reasons that create betrayal? Also, we're going to be talking on about what can betray, what, I'm sorry, can we betray others without even knowing it? Now, that's kind of an odd thing, but it actually can happen and more easily than we'd like to think. Another aspect, what are some bottom line practical things that we can do to help those who've been destroyed by betrayal? And what are some things we should not do when we're trying to be helpful? And then we're going to talk about what about the betrayer? Is there hope for them? What should you do if you find yourself in a betraying pattern of thinking? But first, let's look at how betrayal works and get some real-life experiences on the table to guide us. And Jonathan, to help us do that, we've got Julie with us again. Good day, Julie. How are you? What's going on? Hi, Rick and Jonathan. I am uh, really happy to be on this program, even though it's so dark. And I think we all have a very profound power to be able to injure each other. And we were looking back and noticing that in over 20 years of podcasts, you've never done a podcast just on this topic of betrayal. And it affects so many people that we thought perhaps now would be a good time to remind everyone of this insidious thing. Okay. And Julie, you are a Christian Questions contributor. I am a volunteer with Christian Questions, as we all are. 
and I'm in charge of a lot of the website issues and responding to questions and the CQ Rewind transcript that goes out every week. And this is going to be a really good one to head to subscribe to CQ Rewind. It's our newsletter and you get the rewind free every single week. Okay, so Julie has a lot, has her hands in a lot of pots here when it comes to Christian questions, and we're glad that you are here with us, not only with those contributions, but helping us with this subject. So Jonathan, let's get started on this, and um, there are three basic betrayal points we just want to put on the table to get started. Jonathan, what are they? Well, Rick, the first is selfish. It is born out of selfish motives. Okay. The second is shocking. It stuns the betrayed and alters them emotionally. And the last one is inconceivable. It's the terrible surprise you never saw coming. So, Julie, these three points, there's a story behind them. Well, you know, after never giving betrayal that much thought, our family is dealing with it squarely. When my sister found out that after nine years of marriage, her husband was cheating on her nearly half that time, and her and I have spent many, many hours discussing it, and she kept uncovering these new depths of grief and sorrow. And she would simply state them as, oh, betrayal is, and then one word and then use a description. And I encouraged her to use this as part of her healing process to help our listeners. So she created picture graphics for 18 phrases that we're gonna use throughout this podcast. Now CQ has been posting them this past week across all our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And you'll find us every day there as CQ Bible Podcast. And we're going to put all of these in the Rewind transcript. So all 18 graphics will be in one place. Okay. All right. So those are the first three. So it's selfish, shocking, and inconceivable. So the mess, it, the mess that betrayal creates is where we want to start. And each segment for today's podcast, folks, what we're going to be do- talking about is somebody who betrays. We're going to be talking about the reason they betray. This is all from a bil- biblical perspective. We're going to be talking about those whom they did betray Then we're going to tell them what you need to be aware of as a betrayer. And then finally, we're going to give comfort, hopefully, by God's grace, to those who have been betrayed. So, Jonathan, the first betrayal we thought it'd be appropriate to start really kind of like right at the top. Who is the first betrayer and what was the reason for the betrayal? Well, Rick, the first betrayer is Satan, the most horrific betrayal of all time. Betrayal for the sake of power. Okay, Satan betrayed for the sake of power. Isaiah 14, verses 13 and 14. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. So we have Satan's betrayal figuratively shown to us through the words of Isaiah. And in that betrayal, he is essentially saying, I will be the man uh, in, in, in vernacular. I will be the one in charge. I will be like the Most High. And of course, to say that you will do that to the Almighty Creator is a betrayal on any level possible because he was entrusted with great power and responsibility, and that wasn't enough for him. He wanted more. There's a whole, whole story behind that. So Satan was the most horrific betrayer of all time. But so, Jonathan, who was betrayed? Well, Rick, it was not only God himself, but the human family also. All right. So the, those who were betrayed, he not only turned his back on his father, 
but he turned his back essentially on those whom he was given responsibility over um, and created really a mess. And that, that mess is very uh, – is it, it, sort of opened up for us a little bit in Genesis chapter 3, verses 19 and then uh, verse 22 and 23. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. Go ahead, John. And Rick, Rick I, I had a thought on, on Satan the betrayer. It really fits selfishness, and it was shocking and inconceivable. And I was thinking about the angelic realm and how they were affected when this took place. Yeah, you know, it would have been it would have been a head scratcher. It would have been like, what? Wait, what? What? Did you see what happened? Now, some in the angelic realm actually followed him because he had such a position of power. But you're right. You know, you look at that and it's a shocking, unbelievable, inconceivable action to betray God Almighty on that level. So very, very appropriately stated at, at, at how big betrayal can be. Okay, let's get to a really practical story, and then Julie is going to start to, to uh, kind of represent that story and the very, very practical aspects of betrayal. So our first uh, soundbite here for today is going to be an actual story. Uh, and, and Julie, this is the, the story of your sister, correct? That's right. Okay, and so this is her telling parts of her story that we'll be coming back to throughout the podcast. Listen to how it begins. After nine years of marriage, my husband said he was unhappy with his life and wanted a divorce. He accepted a job in another state, and I wasn't invited. I was devastated by his abandonment, but I believed he was a lost soul trying to find happiness and get his life back on track. After many months of grieving for him, I learned the truth. He had had a mistress for the last four years of our marriage. They met in our hometown and conspired to move away and live together. His abandonment was difficult enough to accept. His infidelity was utterly unthinkable. He was the last person I would ever imagine who would betray me. He shattered the absolute trust I had in him for so many years. Julie, that's un unfortunately, that is a common event, but it's got to be shocking when it happens in your own family. You know, she uh, gave me a quote from my Malcolm X, and I want to read that real quick. It's, to me, the thing that is worse than death is betrayal. You see, I could conceive death, but I could not conceive betrayal. And that really says it all, because in this particular instance, uh, you know, we saw a few signs, uh, you know, a lot of working late and a blah, blah, blah. And we'd say, well, what about, you know, is there any possibility? And her answer was, Absolutely not. This person has so much integrity that it would be like me telling you I'm actually a hedgehog wrapped up in human skin. You know, it's just so inconceivable. Right. right. And 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 I think that's what gets it. You you are just so blindsided and so taken off guard that you're dealing with those emotions first and foremost. And 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 you're right. It's an emotional 
shock to the system and you are paralyzed you don't know what to do you don't know how to think you lose all of your 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 bearings on life let's before we get further into the story let's go to our betrayer beware and folks each segment we got this betrayer beware because we're talking to those of us of the human family who may be in a position to be thinking of betraying another person or in the process of or having betrayed someone else we want to let you know unequivocally what the damage is and what it looks like so julie go ahead betrayer beware what beware your self-centered betrayal creates overwhelming waves of destruction beyond anything you can comprehend this destruction often comes back at you and eventually pounds you into submission and uh, so you've created overwhelming waves of destruction and you know the example for this segment was satan and jonathan uh, there is God's retribution on that in Isaiah 14, verse 15. What is it? Nevertheless, you'll be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. So the end is coming. Now, it's, it's been a long time coming, but the end is coming. Some, yes. Sometimes those waves of destruction come back on the betrayer, and, and eventually it, it, it's going to happen because the day of judgment is such that it, it, it evens the score, so to speak. We don't have to. So let's go to laying some groundwork for understanding betrayal. Uh, we want to just, Jonathan, quote through a few comments, uh, paraphrase from a source of com when you have been betrayed by Monica Frank. She's a PhD. So, Jonathan, just a couple of lines on that. To be betrayed... A person must first experience trust in the betrayer. So betrayal involves the act of someone violating your trust in them. Examples include an abused child betrayed by the parents who are supposed to love and protect the child. And next, Rick, betrayal is a devastated loss. In trusting another person, we believe they won't hurt us. When they do hurt us, we then have the awareness that this other person has the cap- cap- uh, capacity to hurt us. So, it, it, Julie, what, what this is all saying is betrayal, it really blindsides you. It, it, it takes you because there's trust, and with trust, you, there's a letting down of your guard, and where there's a letting down of your guard, there's comfort, and then here's what you've got. Go ahead. Comments? Right. And um, it, the, this, this word of blindsiding keeps coming back. And it's really a paradigm shift because <clears throat> all in your world is good. And then suddenly nothing in your world is good. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's touch on very briefly. Um, you know, we talked about betrayal uh, in relationship to, to power. What about other kinds of betrayal? A- any quick thoughts on that, Julie? Well, you know, in researching this, <clears throat> although we are talking a lot about infidelity within a marriage, there's a lot of betrayal going on and there's betrayals in families. There is betrayal in the workplace. And a lot of times our work is our identity. And so we can become vulnerable to betrayal, like taking credit for somebody else's work or gossiping about a colleague or being fired after somebody trumps up charges against you. You become the betrayed. And the problem becomes where some feel that if we can't trust our best friend or a spouse, how are we going to trust God? Yeah. No, and, and that, that becomes a big deal. Just very, very quickly, what about, what about our desire for immediate justice? When we, because when we're betrayed, we want that person to be pounded into submission immediately. <laughs> well, first of all, there's, let's just talk real quick about the three main categories of betrayers. Okay. Um, 
One, you have an intentional betrayal. And that's where you enter into a trust relationship with the intent to betray like a spy. Okay, that's that's what they're doing. The second is where you and I and Jonathan and the average person can get caught up. This is the unintentional betrayal. That's where we accidentally say something when we weren't supposed to, like a classic slip of the tongue. And gossip is another one of these or not showing up to an event that we promised we would. But most betrayals fall into the category that we're going to talk about today, which is opportunistic. This is cognitive or decision oriented. You have the time to stop and think about what's going to happen. You weigh the consequences against your expectation of something better. And here, the betrayer doesn't enter the relationship for the purpose of betraying, but the right circumstance causes them to yield to temptation. So you're not going to go into a marriage with the express intention of cheating on your spouse, but a coworker won't you know, accept a project with the express of taking credit where they didn't deserve it, but it's opportunistic. Okay, so, so it, it happens because life gets in the way and you start to go down, go down a path that you really shouldn't. Jonathan, a quick thought or question? Because yeah, we're um, a little Another shy kind of betrayal is children towards parents when they're old, weak, and vulnerable. And even after they've died, they rush in to try to grab because of selfishness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and you're right. And so betrayal is insidious in, in all areas. We're going we're gonna to touch on the immediate justice things in the, in the next segment. We'll pick that up right at the beginning. But uh, we want to just get to, as we wrap up this segment, comfort for the betrayed. Because, you know, we talked about the, 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 the tidal waves of destruction that come. So comfort for the betrayer, betrayed rather, is such. The waves of destruction, though overwhelming and damaging, need not be permanent. Faith can pull you out from the undertow and protect you from the pounding. Mark 9, 21 to 24 is a good verse on that. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. He has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if I can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. He had faith, but he needed more. Faith is the beginning of the answer. It's not the complete answer, but it is a foundation. Look, betrayal is bad. As a matter of fact, it's a lot worse than most of us can even imagine. Once the waves of destruction stop beating you up, what other challenges does betrayal bring? We're podcasting live every Monday night from 8 to 9.30. You can talk to us direct through our chat at ChristianQuestions.com. We also welcome your comments or questions any day of the week. Just hit the Contact Us button. We're now out of the starting gate. Let's pick up the pace for tonight's topic. Because betrayal is so deep and disorienting, it could be described as the proverbial gift that keeps on giving. Yes, some gift. The destructiveness of its revealing is followed by several other stages of distress. Next on the list is the, set in, uh, is the settling in of what actually happened, and this stage is no easier than the previous one. So you get bowled over by these waves of destructiveness, and you, and, you, know, you, you sort of try to get your balance, and now you have to deal with the fallout of betrayal. And the fallout is no easier than the waves of destruction. And so, Jonathan, four more points about what betrayal is. And again, these points come from someone who has gone through the raw misery of being betrayed on such a deep 
level and the the shock and the and the in the internal torment and these these are her ways of describing what's happened to her life go ahead destructive it does not produce anything of value great devastating mentally physically emotionally confusing leaves the betrayed in a daze heartbreaking it destroys love you know and 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 I, I, even when I just read the words, I feel this, this brokenness inside for that individual. It destroys love. I mean, if you're, if you're, it feels like there is no answer to life anymore. And that's, that's what betrayal does. It takes somebody's pathway to life and it just cuts it off and says, sorry, there's a detour and no, there's no other way to go. And then you're stuck like, well, what do I do? What do I do? And, and we'll get back to Julie with that very, very shortly with that, with that very personal experience. Uh, Jonathan, who's the next betrayer? And actually, there's a couple of them. And what was the betrayal or what were the betrayals for? Well, Rick, it's Samson and then Delilah. So they Bet- both they both betray. That's right. Okay. Exactly. And but these are betrayals for sex and greed. Okay, so, you know, just because it's written in the Bible <laughs> doesn't mean it skirts the issues that are, are, are deep in life. Sex and greed are two huge, huge areas where betrayal just happens to be part of, uh, of life. Let's talk about, very briefly, Samson's betrayal. Judges 16.1. Now, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. Okay, that's it. And you say, okay, so what's the betrayal? Look, he is covenanted to be of service to God. He was not even supposed to have any strong drink in his life. He wasn't supposed to cut his hair. He was supposed to live this Nazarite vow, and this was not in accordance with it. So his physical actions betrayed God's trust in him. Now, God, God's trust came back later, but not, uh, not until Samson was dragged through a lot of misery that showed him what betrayal looks like. So both Samson and Delilah betray. Judges 16, verses 4 and 5, is uh, where Samson uh, begins to go uh, down this road of, of, of betrayal and where Delilah comes into the picture. After this, it came about that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek named Delilah. The lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and see where his great strength lies and how we may overpower him, then we will bind him to afflict him. Then we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah is tempted by greed to try to uh, destroy Samson, find a way to destroy him. He's in love with her, and the lords of the Philistines, five of them come, they're offering her 5,500 shekels of silver. And, And how much was a shekel worth in those days, Jonathan? Well, 400 shekels of silver could buy you land, so this is a huge sum, right? Yeah. So she she was could have been really set with this amount of money, and she ends up betraying Samson. So the betrayed then is who? The betrayed is Samson. Okay. And Israel and yeah. God. That's right. Okay. Now, Delilah tries to betray Samson several times and it takes the it takes four attempts for him to actually tell her where the quote secret of his strength lies. So this is the we're dropping in on this story. And the, after the fourth attempt where he says, okay, if you cut my hair, and she cuts his hair, and what happens in Judges 16, 20, and 21? She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, 
And he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains, and he was gr- he was a grinder in the prison. So you have this tower of strength, literal tower of strength in the hand of God, become this lowly prisoner who can no longer see because Delilah betrays him, because he again goes for a woman, this is not his wife incidentally, um, who is a Philistine woman. You know, and again, he's 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 going off the rails, and now he's suffering the consequences. So Israel ends up being betrayed. God ended up being betrayed, and then Samson himself ends up being betrayed by the one whom he quote loves. So a, another story of betrayal. This one, these between Samson and Delilah for sex and greed. Want to go to a quick soundbite before we go to our betrayer beware warning? I kind of like the wake up call, if you will, each segment. This is a short clip from uh, about a story, I think it was um, just in the last couple of years. Uh, this musician, young musician, won a $260,000 lawsuit. This is from CNN. Listen to this story. This is, this is a classic story of really sad, unfortunate betrayal. This, this Canadian judge says that a woman was afraid to lose her boyfriend, so she fooled him into thinking that he'd been turned down by his dream school. He is a concert clarinet Yes, he is incredible. His name is Eric Abramovitz, and as Robin said, he's a concert clarinetist. A few years ago, his then-girlfriend deleted his acceptance letter along with the scholarship offer. Then, wait for it, she concocted a rejection letter to him and turned down the scholarship in his name. Y'all, girl, that is not love. That is abuse. Yes, it is. Eric found out about it when he auditioned again. He was recently awarded a $260,000 judgment. We have not heard from the ex-girlfriend. That's a horrible story. And, you know, he, he was in line. He was accepted to be, to be instructed by one of the world's most renowned clarinet instructors. And she engineered him saying, no, thank you. And he, he, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, look, betrayal breaks people. And, you know, you don't know what she's thinking at, the, at that point, but she did it and, you know, it didn't end up well for anybody. So, Julie, betrayer beware in relation to the Samson and Delilah story, to the one we just talked about, and also the story that's going on in your, fa- in your family. What is it? Okay, beware. The fallout of your betrayal creates a powerful current of despair. This current can quietly pull those you betrayed away from the good and meaningful things in their lives. All right. So we talked about waves of destruction, and now we're talking about a current of despair, and a current just pulls you along. Judges 16.23, Jonathan. Now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. So there you have the, the ultimate, our God has taken the hero of the God of Israel, and now he's our prisoner. And you know, you, you look at that and say, how, how did it end up that way? Because of betrayal. That's how it ended up that way. He started a betrayal pattern, and he was then himself betrayed. Be- betrayed, you're right. Betrayed. <laughs> okay, so, so Julie... What now? You know, we've got your, your family story here. Where, where, where should we go with that now? 
Well, I think that as far as the first thing that happens is you want justice. And so the betrayed may pray to the Lord inappropriately, wanting him to do something immediate and dramatic on our behalf, because we know he can you know, so we think, wow, he's like a personal superhero. I want him to exact instantaneous justice. Avenge me. Yeah. Um, so when you've been betrayed by the last person on earth you ever thought would do such a thing, you want the kind of justice that only the Almighty can deliver. But it usually isn't that easy or satisfying. Immediate well, deliverance probably isn't going to happen. And we who have to deal with the betrayed, have to understand that this may be their mindset. Well, you know, not only is it most likely not going to happen immediately, it shouldn't happen immediately. Why? 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 Why not? It makes no sense. Well, no, it makes perfect sense. Because, first of all, God's ways are not our ways. His ways have a long-term approach. And in his plans, the long-term approach uses everything that happens in our lives as a teaching moment. And something like this it has lots of teaching moments in it. And by God allowing things to take time, he gives us time to learn. And when we walk through an experience like this and we learn, then we can become, come out of the other end of the experience strong. God doesn't want us to be avenged. He wants us to be strong. Vengeance is his. It'll come soon enough. You know, that's interesting that you, you put it that way because in looking at the particular experience that my family is going through, we have often looked back and said, boy, if we knew now, or if we knew then, what all of the pieces that we know now, it would have ruined her, like with no hope. Right. And I feel that God allowed us to reveal, you know, just to understand just a little bit of here, a little bit there, and a couple months later we got this, and she was almost able to ease into new revelations of pain only after she was able to comprehend and deal with the previous step. And I think that it truly has almost like a muscle memory. It's made her stronger because she's had to work out those emotional muscles. And now, boy, she's getting stronger than ever. So it, it gives you time to catch your breath, and then the next re revelation comes along. And then you get, you're get able to catch your breath. And so, and so, so that's important. So let, let's talk about this. How can we help those who have been betrayed? What, uh, you know, what do we say to someone who's been betrayed? Julie, Julie any particular thoughts you know, from, from your end? Well, you know, in the past, I've taken especially marital infidelity and betrayal for granted, but because it happens so often, you know, it's on every TV show, it's in our society, yeah. it's the subject of hilarious sitcoms and dramatic movies, and it's all sexy and forbidden and interesting. This is wrong. It's wrong for us to accept this as normal or okay. It is the opposite of integrity, and it's devastating in real life. So, in order to help people, first of all, you've got to get your mind right that this is wrong, period. And if you've gone to someone who has been in this circumstance and you don't have personal experience with it, you don't necessarily understand their depth of their grief. So just saying, look, I'm sorry this happened to you, or I can't believe this happened, or I have no experience with this kind of trial, but I'm going to pray for you. And we want to all be a comfort. We want to let them know that we know how they're feeling, but this probably isn't the time to unburden yourself with your own issues or what, you know, aunt Sally went through or, or whatever. If you have a personal story to share, my sister suggested, write it in a card, put it in an email. That way that person can deal with it later when they're a little stronger 
and add some solid scriptural advice and some encouragement, some hardcore encouragement. What can they do so that they can look back and when they're in that position, they can reread it and they can move forward, even just baby steps. Okay. Okay. So what you're saying is that okay, when it comes to speaking words of encouragement, especially in the earlier stages, it is not encouraging for if you come to me with this story that has totally destroyed your life and I say, well, let me tell you about my experience. What you're saying is that's not comforting. Exactly. And, and I'll give you a quick example. She had someone that came up to her and said, oh, this same thing happened to me 20 years ago. I never got over it. Oh, great. And the person starts crying. It, it, it's it's going to ruin your life. You will never be able to trust again. Lori's like, uh, she's just a pile of goo at that point. Yeah. And the second person came up to her and said, boy, I know that you are strong and this had happened to me, but I know that you can get over it. I know that the Lord will help you turn to the Lord, turn to your family. You will be helped. Who do you think was a better comfort to her? Well, and see, that's so important to understand. There are things to say and there's things that we shouldn't say. And when we when we go down those roads, be a comfort, but be a comfort by by only speaking things that would build up. And if you've got nothing and, you know, for some of us who've never gone through that kind of betrayal, you've got nothing. You really do. You have nothing. So be an encouragement by saying, look, I'm so sorry this happened to you. You know, I'm going to pray for you extra hard. You know, what can I do to, to you know, just reach out and, and, and help you just be stronger? Maybe let's go out for ice cream. You know, whatever it is, just be something positive. Jonathan, go ahead. And how about be a good listener? Yeah. Let them share from their heart and you sit back and say, I'm here for you. Yeah, you know, and we're going to spend a lot more time on the listening aspect in the next segment because that is enormous. So when we want to speak words of encouragement, let's make sure that they are words of encouragement. Hold off on your own stories. And look, folks, here's the thing, and, and let, me, let me be really blunt about this. If you are trying to encourage them by telling your own stories, you've got a personal ego issue. Okay, you got to get over it because their problem is bigger than your ego needs to be right now. And we've got to be able to take ourselves away so we can make them front and center. And by speaking words that make them front and center, you begin to build them up. And that brings us to our comfort for the betrayed uh, for this segment. And that is really simple. The powerful current of despair that you find yourself in can be countered with fellowship and family. But make sure you seek fellowship and family, specifically those who will hold you steady against the current using godly principles. You don't want to find your comfort in somebody who's going to say, yeah, let's get them. You want to find your comfort in somebody who's going to help you go back to Scripture, go back to the things that are most solid, most important, that can elevate you, because that's where you have to eventually go. A great example, this has nothing to do with betrayal necessarily, but a great example of leaning on others comes from Daniel chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. Daniel was just informed that uh, he is going to be executed, because this king has had a dream, and nobody can understand what it is or interpret it. So what does Daniel do? So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter, so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. 
Daniel shared the experience with those he deeply trusted, and their instinct was to pray. That's the kind of friend you want to lean on. Family and fellowship. That's the kind of family and fellowship that's going to really help us in those times of deep betrayal. Look, it is so fortunate that there are those who are betrayed can reach out and rely on someone. Make sure that you are up to that task. To overcome betrayal, we so far have faith as a basis and fellowship as a building block. What's next? Talk to us during our live Monday night podcast from 8 to 9.30 every week. If you're listening through our app, just hit the message button. If you're on ChristianQuestions.com, click on chat at the bottom of your screen. As our discussion continues, it is inevitable when we start to answer questions that more questions appear. Let's see how this expands. Just as betrayal is a process that builds to a specific act, so is the combat to fight it. There are several factors that must be in place to be able to have the necessary overcoming strength. Faith is a must, but it's not enough. And, you know, you think about that. I say, what do you mean faith is not enough? Fellowship is powerful, but it's not complete. We need next to focus on trust. Now, a lot of us think about faith and trust and say, well, aren't those the same? No, no. Trust is built on faith, and we're going to get to that in, in just a few minutes. Jonathan, what's this segment now going to focus on specifically in relation to betrayal? Well, Rick, we're going to be focusing on the shattered life patterns that betrayal causes. Okay. Betrayal breaks lives. We're going to look at what happens in those situations. And we're going to go to a soundbite from somebody. Uh, Her name is Lindsay, and this is her part of her story of betrayal. And she sort of, she sort of, emailed this in and said, you know, if you can use this, if this can help somebody, please tell my story. So here's the first part. When I first met my husband, he was everything I had ever been looking for. He was kind, considerate, capable, intelligent, strong, and attractive. Two weeks after we got married, however, his entire personality changed and he became cold, hostile, and verbally abusive. I tried everything I could think of to make him happy but I eventually found out that he had been unfaithful. It burned my world to the ground and made me feel like I was not good enough. I had never experienced pain so intense and I was so hurt and angry and I wanted to lash out and hurt him and the woman he had been unfaithful with. Now that says it. That says it. She is brave enough to be honest with her initial responses and it's devastating. It is devastating. So let, let's go back to, Jonathan, four more betrayal is points. Betrayal is what? Painful for everyone involved, not just the betrayed. Okay, what else? Betrayal Irre- is? Is irrevocable. Once done, it cannot be undone. Okay, okay. Hold on right there because I want to add something. Because part of these points for on betrayal are this is how it feels, but this is not how it has to stay. And that's the whole point of this podcast. So just read that second one again, Jonathan, then I'm going to add a new ending to it. Irrevocable. Once done, it cannot be undone. But with a lot of time and work, its effects can be changed. With a lot of time and work, you can change the effects of that irrevocable action. What else is betrayal? Dishonest. 
Lies overtake both the betrayer and the betrayed. And what else? Betrayal is ugly. Once the deed is done, you'll never forget it. But let me add something here. Once the deed is done, you'll never forget it. But we can, with a lot of time and a lot of effort, remember it differently. It's not like you're going to ever forget it, but the key is to learn how to remember it differently. Jonathan, go ahead. And I went through a a personal experience uh, early on in my life uh, where uh, I was cheated on and my world was rocked. But I look back at that experience and I say, thank God I went through it because that's when I turned my heart to him. That's when I needed to search for God and his help in my life. Uh, I just can't thank him enough for that awful experience because here I am content, thankful, and where I need to be. So if somebody at the moment of your betrayal within the next couple of weeks said to you, oh, Jonathan, don't worry, one day you're going to look back on this and you're going to thank God for it. You would have, I would have never said that at that time. Right, right. <laughs> and see, that's the point. The point is we need to look forward to changing the ending because otherwise the betrayal owns you for life. And that's not where you want to be, and that's not where you are in that, in that personal experience. Thank you for that. Let's, let's go on to, so we've got betrayal is painful, irrevocable, dishonest, and ugly. Great. I mean, you're painting this horrid picture. Next betrayer is who, and what did they betray for? Well, this is Cain. Betrayal as a result of jealousy, Rick. Okay, and let's go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, and we'll be you know, reading selected parts of verses. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? If you do well, will you not, will you not your countenance be lifted up? Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. You know, so his his sacrifice wasn't accepted, so he takes it out on his brother. He's jealous. His brother was accepted. He was not. God gave him a warning, and he did not heed it. And there you have betrayal as a result of jealousy, and it ended up in murder. You know, and so who's the betrayed in this, Jonathan? Well, Abel and the human family. But think of his mother, yeah. Think of his mother Eve. Yeah, I mean, having like her son. Right, having one of your sons kill the other son, and nobody's ever oh. killed anybody before. I mean, this again, this is it's deep. And what's the what's what's the cause? It's jealousy. This is familiar. This is common. These are the things that happen in our in our world. So the, the betrayed is Abel and the human family. And let's go to Genesis chapter four again, verses nine through ten, because Cain is confronted with this. Then the Lord God said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So you can't get away with it. You can't get away with it. Abel betrayed the human family. He changed the dynamics of humanity by his act of betrayal, by that act of murder that was provoked by jealousy. And God saw it. And, uh, and and Cain's response, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is, yes, you are. We need to be aware and, 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 and supportive one of another. Okay, let's go to 
uh, back to uh, Julie's sister's story. Remember, in the, the early on, we in the first segment, we introduced her story after nine years of marriage. Um, or her her husband's looking for a divorce. Here's what happens in this in this part of her story. She talks about what happens to your your past, what happens to your memories, and frankly, this is heartbreaking. Betrayal ruins everything. It takes away all of the positive memories you had with the person. After my husband's abandonment, I could still look at cards and photos. I could think of our past together as a relationship filled with love that sadly had to end. Once I knew he had been lying and cheating on me during the years we were making the memories, they were destroyed. There is nothing positive left. So, in a sense, his betrayal took away our past. It's like taking a beautifully wrapped gift of memories, lighting them on fire, and handing me back the ashes. Now the goal is to not let him ruin my present or my future. Again, it's heartbreaking, and that's why we need to change the ending on those things, because we want a different ending. You don't want the betrayal and the heartbreak and the ashes of, of, of your past to be the things that dominate your present and your future. Julie, well, but, be- you know, but you know, we also need the betrayers to listen to that. Yeah. You yeah. know, they, they cause so many ripple effects of problems for whatever the act is, power, greed, sex, whatever your, you know, the, these, these reasons as old as time that as humans, we are still repeating because we still don't know. We still don't realize the, 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 the scorched earth that you leave behind right. and the, the effort it takes to rebuild. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and, and it's common. And the fact... It's normal. That, it's normal in it, our society. It is one of the normal things in our society that tells us how ungodly we really truly are. Yes. Uh, so betrayer beware, Julie. What's, what's that about at this uh, point? <laughs> betrayer beware. Your betrayal can create a riptide of depression that can mercilessly sweep away and swallow those you have betrayed and shattered. And you know what that's like. I'm telling you, it is a huge effort just to bring my sister back to some middle ground. I mean, we're, we, she's speaking daily, sometimes three, four, five times a day with me, with, with a, a counselor, with other people. It, it's, it's just so unnecessary. It was just so unnecessary. And it's a riptide of depression. A riptide, folks, you know what a riptide is. A riptide is one of those tides you can't see. Once you get stuck in it, it sucks you in. And you are powerless to get out. And if you try to swim against it, you will lose. The only way to get out of a riptide is for people to come from the side and pull you out. You need to have others help you. That's what, that's what betrayal creates. Jeremiah 31, 15. Talk about depression. This is a, a prophecy, and it's a very sad one. Jonathan, go ahead. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And, you know, a mother that loses a child, you know, there, there is, the, is the greatest riptide of depression, I think. And betrayal fits right in with that same kind of level of, 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 of being lost, of just feeling like you have lost all control. 
So let's get a little bit more deeply into this and, and try to figure out how we can be positive and helpful in these things. Let's go to another aspect of, of betrayal. Some comments uh, are going to be paraphrased here from that source, excelatlife.com, when you have betrayed, when you have been betrayed by Monica Frank. Jonathan, just a few lines here. Betrayal is a loss of illusion. The way we think things should be no longer are. This can happen when parents get divorced and children are betrayed by the illusion of the happy family they always thought they had. A loss of illusion creates a grief that is real but might be discouraged from grieving because it isn't an actual loss. You know, and and all betrayals are not complete illusions. But, you know, you've got to be careful because what ends up happening is you've created an illusion. You know, Julie, your sister was... In an illusion, she thought things were one way and they were completely different for a very, very long time. And when that is revealed to you, that has got to be the kind of thing that just pulls your feet out from under you and you feel like there's absolutely no hope. And, you know, I feel like the example that Jonathan just read about parents divorcing and children thinking everything was fine with mommy and daddy and now it's not, you know, I think that's just another thing we need to understand and enter into their experience. That's a different level of grief. Yeah. You know, it's not just, Oh, let's just fix it. It's there's, there's a whole nother reality is lost, but you have certain illusions that have lost, right. You know, in a marriage, you have certain ideals of, well, this is what my retirement is going to look like. And here's how we will serve the Lord together. And this is what we will do. And all of that goes away. Um, and it's, it becomes a, again, there's, there's reality and there's illusion. So you yeah. kind of have to know what you're mourning. Right, right. And, and sometimes it takes time to figure all of that out. Great quote, Julie, from Steve Maraboli. And then let's get down to the practicality of being a good listener. He says, I'm not crying because of you. You're not worth it. I'm crying because my delusion of who you were was shattered by the truth of who you are. Wow. Betrayer, yeah, well, betrayer beware. <laughs> I mean, yeah. understand that really, do you want to be looked at like that? And it, it's so entirely, completely devastating. Okay, let, let's get down to the practical aspect of making, trying to make it better, trying to be a positive influence, trying to get things to move in the right direction. Julie, a little bit on, on listening, again, from your personal experience. Well, you know, one of the things that, that I have learned that has really been a help is to be as good a listener as you possibly can. And I've learned that if someone trusts you enough to share their heartbreaking story of betrayal, consider it a privilege. And you want to show respect by listening quietly. Give them as much time as they need to get that painful story out. Try to free yourself from distractions so they can see that you're listening. Put your phone down. Stop texting while you're, you know, while you're, while you're listening. Um, and if you're going to recommend that a hurt person speak to someone who had a similar experience, make sure that that person can be a rock and not unburdening something that they still haven't gone through. And good listeners sit and listen quietly while you bear your soul. And that reminds me of, do you remember when Job had his comforters? You know, when Job's comforters came to him for the very first seven days, they said nothing. Right. They just sat with him and they were just available for him. And that's what being on this side of the betrayal, I've tried to do. And, and I, I feel like it's been, it's been helpful. And I know Rick and Jonathan, you've both come, you know, counseled people that have been betrayed. So you clearly need to be good listeners as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and listening is uh, not 
just being quiet. You know, a lot of times we think, okay, I'll be quiet. You know, I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to let them talk. That's not listening. Oh, that's, that's pretending. See, listening is focusing. And if, 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 for me, if I get, have the opportunity of, of having the conversation face to face, I put myself in a, in a, in a position where I can look them in the eye and I just look them in the eye. And I nod when I think it's appropriate. If there's something that I didn't understand, I say, wait, wait, I, I, I'm not sure I understood what you just said, and let them repeat it, say thank you. It is, it, it is an art because what happens when you listen, when you truly listen, is the walls of defensiveness naturally come down because they figure out that they are really important. And if you can get somebody to feel like they're really important, and they are, then you can begin to help them deal with the depth and the, and, and the trauma of being betrayed. But you have to be able to just let them feel your presence. Go ahead, Julie. You know, I think one thing that we need to be very careful of, and, and I, I'm guilty of this, <clears throat> you're so angry that this person has hurt your loved one that you can very easily feed into the flame right. of the just get them mentality and, ooh, what can we do? And maybe we can do this. And, ooh, maybe we say this. And I think we as, what are we supposed to do? You know, we want to represent God. We want to glorify God. How are we glorifying God if we are plotting ways to send their email to every spammer in Russia? <laughs> you know? So uh, how do we get over that? Because we ourselves are hurt. My parents are devastated. Yeah. Well, you know what? You, you, you get over that, uh, and we're almost out of time for this segment, but you get over that by deciding what's, what's the most important thing. You know, somebody once said, and, I, and Jonathan, you know probably what I'm going to say here. This is one of my favorite sayings. Do the most important thing at any given moment. And the most important thing at that moment, you have to decide, is that person's well-being and welfare and bringing them up higher and giving them something to look forward to and somebody to hold on to. Plotting somebody else's demise is never going to bring anybody up higher. So you've got to decide, is that the most important thing? Or should I be bringing them up higher? That, that's really, really what it is. Comfort for the betrayed. Look, folks, God is always stronger than any riptide, including depression, in life if we trust him. Faith, fellowship, family, and scripture are all needed tools to build this trust. Let's go to Matthew eight twenty-three to 27, a great example of trusting, and in this case, it's trusting Jesus. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. They were afraid, and they trusted in their fear, and it just took a word from Jesus, and everything was made right. The disciples had faith. They knew Jesus could protect them. Trust is faith applied in what seems impossible. Trust is the get-your-hands-dirty application of faith. Trust is unflinching assurance. That's what trust is. So, folks, look. Recovery from betrayal is a long journey. It's such a relief to identify the first few steps. The natural results of betrayal are pain and suffering. How do we put an end to this dark pattern? Do you feel disconnected at your local church? 
Are you struggling to find a good church or a pastor you like in your local area? We hope you're finding our podcast helpful as you take the next steps in your Christian walk. We're not here to replace the brick-and-mortar ministry, but Christian questions can be considered as the new way to think about church because we're cutting through all the online commentary noise with a deep dive into traditional scriptures and how they apply in today's seemingly untraditional world. Thanks for listening at ChristianQuestions.com, through our app, and your favorite podcast channels. Keep your great comments coming. We always welcome your feedback. Now, back to Rick and Jonathan as we go deeper in our discussion. Once betrayal brings us to a point of depression, we do need to act. With every meaningful action, there's always meaningful resolve behind it. The strength and density of our resolve will determine the long-term viability of our actions. As usual in life, every meaningful victory begins in your mind. And for those of us who have been betrayed, victory over that betrayal is not going to be through some action somewhere. It's going to start inside of your mind. And that's going to take time and effort to get to, but we can get there. So Jonathan, what are we focusing on in this segment? Well, Rick, the gathering up of life's fragments required to stand up to betrayal. Life was shattered. Okay, we have the ability to gather up the fragments and begin to stand. It takes time, it takes effort. Let's go back to Lindsay's story. Remember she said very, 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 very early in their marriage, things her husband had been unfaithful and her world completely fell apart and she was left holding an empty bag and left entirely angry. Where did she end up afterwards? My husband's betrayal literally brought me to my knees, but it was there that I found a personal relationship with God as opposed to an intellectual one, as I let God's will rule my life instead of my own will, I got miracles that were beyond belief. I was also seeing a Christian counselor at the time of my divorce, and he helped me to see that my husband's infidelity didn't have anything to do with me, that he was so broken and damaged that he would have cheated on any wife, not me specifically. Because I was able to see that, I was able to forgive him. So that's an amazing story when you think about it. And obviously there's a whole lot of hurt and, and, and development in between, But for her to say those words, I was able to forgive him, is a huge, huge thing. Julie, you had a question? Yeah. You know, what are your thoughts about seeking help through professional counseling? Does that mean that we're weak? Does it mean the Bible's not enough? Is there a stigma to working with a therapist for our problems? Because it seems like it really helped Lindsay get to a point of forgiveness. And I know her. She is a very dedicated Christian and was raised in a very Christian household. She's a wonderful person. But you noticed in her first statement, she was ready to burn it to the ground. Yeah. And in the last statement, she reached forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. And she credits some therapy. What do you think about that? I think therapy is really important and very, very, very appropriate. However, be sure that if you are going to seek help, you find a therapist who understands your Christianity. And there's nothing wrong with going to somebody and having that introductory conversation and explaining to them what's important to you. Watch how they respond. Watch how they react. And watch the words that they use. And, 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 and if it doesn't seem to fit, go someplace else. Because you want somebody who's going to enhance 
your desire to serve God through Jesus. Not somebody who's going to say, well, you know, your strength comes from just you. For, you know, for a lot of people, that's great, that's wonderful. But for us, no, that's not, the, that's not the whole truth. Yes, we have to be strong in God through Christ. We have to do our part, and then we rely on God and, and, and Christ. So, yeah, I believe, absolutely believe that therapy is really, really important, but you need to be careful. You need to use very sound judgment in, in, in looking towards that. Jonathan, let's go back to uh, four more of those betrayal is points. What is betrayal? Betrayal is unnecessary. You have a choice before the deed is done. Betrayal is life-altering. The betrayed is never the same. Okay, hold on there, because I want to add something. All right, just read it again, then I'm going to add the the, the ending. Betrayal is life-altering. The betrayed is never the same. Though, with lots of time and effort, the betrayed becomes a tower of strength. See, you're not the same, but we get to choose how the not being the same plays out. And if we just sit back and let it run us, then we become victims of betrayal for our entire lives versus if we work at applying the principles of righteousness and forgiveness and goodness and strength, then we can become a tower of strength for others. What else is betrayal? Betrayal is disorienting. It's dizzying to wrap your head around it. And what else? Betrayal is sickening. A surefire way to a lack of sleep and appetite. All right. A surefire way to ruin all of the things that maybe we took for granted. Every part of your life is upset by betrayal. And folks, those of you who betray, you need to understand this. Every part of somebody's life is wrecked because of what you did and they are now in this in this in this in this tremendous fight for their own lives because of betrayal we've got to be so careful of it what's our example of betrayal jonathan who's the betrayer and what was the reason well the betrayer is judas and the betrayal was for greed matthew 26 14 to 16 then one of the 12 named judas iscariot went to the chief priest and said What are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. From then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. He began looking for an opportunity. He got the money. He was looking for an opportunity. And that's a sad, sad story. Now, you know, the, the story of Judas is a little more complex than that. But we're looking at that aspect of it at this point. And obviously, the the betrayed was Jesus. Jonathan, let's read Matthew 26, verses 47 to 50, because here's how Jesus handles the betrayal. This is, this is in my mind, this is magnificent. Behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately, Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Friend, do what you have come for. Jesus allowed it to happen. And then when when the ruckus breaks out and uh, Malchus's, the the high priest's uh, servant's ear gets cut off, what does Jesus do? He heals his enemy. That's how he handled betrayal. What an incredible, 
lesson for us in handling betrayal. And this betrayal on the part of Judas was, was, was horrific. And it was a betrayal for greed. It was a betrayal to, to get ahead, you know, make a quick buck on something that I'm, I, I don't know that he thought it was going to go so badly. But you know what? He still was left after the money. We're going to go to a soundbite from the movie Braveheart. And look, folks, this is a very bloody movie, uh, but it's got a, it's got a, a tremendous story of, of, of courage and fortitude. And this is Robert the Bruce and his father speaking. And he's a, he's a, a noble, uh, a Scott noble, and, and um, he has uh, just betrayed William Wallace in a battle. And so he's talking to his father who's dying. And here is the first part of their conversation. Son, we must have alliance with England to prevail here. You achieved that. You saved your family, increased your land. In time, you will have all the power in Scotland. Lands, titles, men, power, nothing. Nothing? I have nothing. Men fight for me, because if they do not, I throw them off my land and I starve their wives and their children. Those men who bled the ground red at Falkirk, they fought for William Wallace and he fights for something that I've never had. And I took it from him when I betrayed him and I saw it in his face on the battlefield. We'll come back to that uh, next segment, but it, it's a it's a classic example of someone who who betrayed, and then is looking and saying, "What have I done?" And we just don't see enough of that, and that's something we need to to, to really hone in on here as we we get started with uh, with with the with the rebuilding aspect. Uh, Julie, the betrayer beware aspect for this segment is what? Okay, beware your betrayal leaves the lives of those you betrayed drifting along with the tide. It's a tide of disdain towards you and a tide of doubt towards their future. So, you know, do you want your life to look like that if you are a betrayer? Have people disdain your very existence and create doubt for their for their for the future of their lives? I mean, really, come on. Jonathan, go ahead. And uh, Rick, for Judas and his example, look what it did to him. Yeah. It ate him up. He was felt so guilty. He got to the point of committing suicide for betraying Jesus. He did. He absolutely did. And, you know, betrayal comes back and it bites you. And for those of us who think that we can get away with it, now you can't. It's going to catch up with you. You might as well face it earlier rather than later because the longer it goes, the harder it becomes to face. Psalm 50, 20 and 21, uh, a good example of that, um, the, 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 the aspect of being a betrayer. He has put forth his hands against those who are at peace with him. He has violated his covenant. His speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. You know, and it's describing it's describing somebody. This, I believe, is describing Ahithophel, which was David's uh, chief advisor who had betrayed him. We did an entire program uh, on this uh, a few years ago. Uh, it's a. It just gives you a sense that the the betrayer looks good but is just darkness and and deceit that's what comes from it okay so julie 
what's the practical aspect here we want to go to now for the night? And we only have about five minutes left in this segment. Well, you know, betrayal is devastating because most often it's the kind of loss that did not have to occur. It happens because someone was deliberately hurtful or was careless or because of their own personal weakness. There was a choice involved. And the person who was betrayed believes that that choice was wrong and preventable. And I think that the golden rule goes a long way with preventing betrayals, especially unintentional betrayals where, you know, we, we, we accidentally offended someone or we did something that we shouldn't have. And one of the things I wanted to ask is, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can betray people without cheating on them. And in the case of a marriage, how can we betray our spouse without actually having an affair? Well, I, I think there's lots of ways we can do that. And uh, Jonathan, one of the things you've, you've always talked about, it, well, why don't you say it because you always talk about it. Well, it's important that you don't speak badly about your spouse to anyone because you're bringing reproach upon your loved one, one of the Lord's anointed. And it's, it's offensive uh, to put someone down like that. So you honor them, you respect them, and you cherish it, and you keep private matters to yourselves and work them out together. You know, and, and to take it even a step further, when we do not honor and cherish our spouse in a marriage, we are actually beginning to go down a road of betrayal. Ooh, good point, Rick. Now, it just may be a small beginning, but if we take the honor and cherishing and we step it down a few notches because I want to do this right now or do that right now, if it's not in the context of keeping them on that pedestal of honor and cherish, we got to be really careful because that's where things can actually fall apart. So, Julie, there's a lot of ways that we can betray our spouses without cheating on them. We can cheat on them in a lot of little ways, by not giving them that the first place in our hearts next to God and Jesus, of course. You know, that makes me, when you're saying that, you can easily substitute spouse for friend. Yeah. You know, we can talk about friends behind other friends' back. We, if we don't honor and cherish our friendships, that those are huge. That is what keeps our society going. That's what keeps us built up, and that's what keeps things running so smoothly. Um, so if we can talk a little bit right now about that opportunistic betrayer, because I think that's the one, you know, these incidental ones, these accidental ones, we, we, we need to be aware of that. But what happens with an opportunistic betrayer is they assess the potential benefits of that betrayal against the probability of being caught and the severity of the penalties they'll suffer if someone catches them. So the trust agreement is voluntarily violated after this reasoned analysis of a scenario. That's the scientific thing that's happening before you decide if you're going to betray. So to me, boy, that leaves a lot of time in between to knock yourself upside the head yeah. and, and get yourself right, my friend. You know, um, what's the best course of action if you are contemplating that you're going to betray someone or maybe you're in the act of betraying someone? Stop, confess, repent, ask forgiveness from God, ask forgiveness from the betrayed, admit what you have done, validate the one that you have betrayed, because they're probably going a little crazy trying to put a bunch of pieces together, right. a bunch of clues that you've left behind, and they think they are totally in the wrong, and they're going to start blaming themselves, and they're going to turn it inward. Get it right. Pause and consider the fact that we've been talking for the last hour and 15 minutes about the devastation that it creates. 
think about those consequences, work through them. You know, and, and there's something psychological about how we, we, we deal with things. We have an immediate reaction, and then we have that little space in our heads. Viktor Frankl said this, uh, where, we, where we, we can let that reaction settle, and then we can respond. Too often we react, and that reaction brings us down the wrong road. What we're saying is if you are a betrayer, you've got to stop with the reaction, pause, and actually respond with thoughtfulness. And that can often begin to turn the tide away from these things. Uh, we're, we're, go ahead, Julie, really, really quick, though. Just think of the lies that you're going to have to tell. Yeah. Think of your conscience you have to deal with. And then consider what's going to happen to the person you betray. It's going to damage them. Right. It's going to be devastating. And, Don't do it. And, 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 and not devastating for a moment or for a week or for a month, but most often devastating for years. Think about do you want to be responsible for the devastation of not that just that person's life, but everybody around them for a long extended period of time. That's on your hands, but you can do something. You can back up. You can stop. Let's go to Jonathan. Uh, let's just we're going to go to uh, comfort for the betrayed here. We're running a little bit late, so we won't be able to do the scripture. But comfort for the betrayed here. When drifting with the tide through a life full of broken pieces and doubt, we always feel lost. Aimless drifting actually gives us time to identify our brokenness and be able to decide on some direction. With your Bible in hand, reestablish a vision for where your life can go. Not where somebody else's life can go, not where the Apostle Paul's life can go, but where your life can go. Scriptural reference, we don't have time for First Peter chapter 4, verse 2. Um, you know, Jonathan, just read verse 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So the drifting can be a blessing in disguise because it buys us time to be able to do something about it and action is required. Putting betrayal behind you is kind of like learning to walk all over again. When you fall, you can get back up. Faith, fellowship with those of godly principles, trust and having a vision. How do I make it all work. If we asked Rick, Jonathan, and the CQ contribution team to answer our topical questions in five minutes or less, rather than in several chapters over 90 minutes, they'd probably get a little stressed out. Plus, they love painting that bigger picture by looking at several real-world media perspectives, historical facts, and scripture. That's why some answers may come quickly, but we love taking a look at the bigger questions that aren't so easy. To transform betrayals into experiences of our past that actually have value requires determination and specific action. These don't simply appear on our front doorstep, all nicely gift-wrapped. We must find and apply them intentionally. Determination and specific action. No betrayal is overcome without action without doing something and not just doing anything but doing something because you now have direction jonathan three more betrayal is points what are they betrayal is sinful how many biblical examples can you name <laughs> there's a whole bunch aren't there there are betrayal is toxic its poison lingers okay but so read that again i want to add the but Betrayal is toxic. Its poison lingers. But with lots of time and effort, it can be washed out. 
it can be overrun with godly righteousness. And, you know, when you're in the middle of it, the toxicity is overwhelming, but that's not the end of the story. Julie? There's a phrase, the solution to pollution is dilution. (laughs) Yes. So if you bring in scripture, you bring in people that want to glorify God like you do, you bring in your support system, I think that toxicity can dissipate. Right. Absolutely. But that's an intentional action. It's not going to dissipate all by itself. You have to want it to. And Jonathan, the last one. Betrayal is forever. The painful memory never goes away. But. Another but. The painful memory with lots of time and lots of effort can become a powerful motivation. Because you learn from it and you become this tower of strength for others and you can say to them, I've been there, I know what it's like, let me share with you in your steps. That was a big but. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? You don't want to hear that but. No, I know. I know because in my experiences with with those who who go through such things, uh, when I get to the butt, they go, "Oh no!" Right, right. Let's talk about revenge. Right. <laughs> but see, if you stay with it, God is more powerful than any of this. Very quick example. We're going to do the betrayed first here, Jonathan. What, first of all, the, our, our our theme here for this last segment is what Uriah. David looks to cover his sin with Bathsheba and set up Uriah. Okay, so the power to overcome betrayal, though, this time we're going to look at the betrayed first, and this is, in, this is how we overcome it. Let's look at Uriah. He was the one betrayed by David, and here's his attitude. You want to talk about a loyal man. Listen to how Uriah acts when he's called back from the battlefield because David's trying to cover up having sex with Uriah's wife and getting her pregnant, so he wants Uriah to go sleep with her so nobody will ever know. Here's what happened. 2 Samuel 11, verses 8 through 11, and then 14 to 15. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants. David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why do you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters, and the servants of the Lord are camping out in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? By your life and the life of your soul, I will not do this thing. So he is saying to David, his king, unequivocally, I will not go home to my wife while my fellow soldiers are out on the battlefield. I am loyal to them. They are fighting a war. I should be with them. I am not going to go to the comfort of my own home because my loyalty is too great. So there What integrity. Wow. That that is just the the picture of loyalty. David is trying to betray him and he's not cooperating. So what does he do? He's now the betrayer is King David and his betrayal is to, is to cover his own guilt. What does he do? Verses 14 and 15. This is horrific. David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah saying, "Place Uriah in the front line of the fiercest battle and withdraw from him." so that he may be struck down and die. That's betrayal. You've taken one of your most loyal men, and because you messed around 
and you've created a situation that needs needs cover up, you now cost him his life. Talk Murder. about yeah, talk mm. about the depths of selfishness. And look, folks, that's what betrayal ends up being. It's always as there's something selfish that's going on with every aspect of betrayal. Let's go back to just very briefly the, the Braveheart scene where, where uh, Robert the Bruce is talking to his father. I just want to repeat the last part of the, the, the previous soundbite and then just get the end result just for the effect of a man who understood that he shouldn't have done what he did. They fought for William Wallace and he fights for something that I've never had. And I took it from him when I betrayed him and I saw it in his face on the battlefield. And it's tearing me apart. Well, all men betray. All lose heart. I don't want to lose heart! I want to believe as he does. I will never be on the wrong side again. And those words at the end of that are telling, I will never be on the wrong side again. And the story goes, and he's not. And the idea is, if you have betrayed, you can turn it around. It's painful, and it's difficult, but it can be done. Julie, our betrayer beware point at this, at this juncture. Okay, be, beware. Your betrayal wrecks utter havoc on the lives that you've betrayed. If the waves of destruction and the current of despair and the riptide of depression or the tides of disdain don't destroy them... Simply being exposed to the elements still might. Being betrayed wears people out and brings them to a point of disengaging and giving up. Repent. And that's the thing. For those of you who have betrayed or are in the process of betraying or are thinking about betraying or it's just occurring to you now because of this conversation that, hey, I may be a betrayer, rethink it. Give yourself the opportunity to make something right. It might be the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it can be the best thing you'll ever do. And that's what David did. As deep and as hideous as his betrayal was, Psalm 51, verses 2 and 3 and verse 14 are are a glimpse of the repentance of that man's heart. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation, that my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. So he is admitting the the, the darkness of his thinking and his actions, and he's asking for forgiveness, and he suffered greatly as a result, and God forgave him, and he stood up again. So it is possible. We see examples of it is possible. Let's go to the final example of um, Julie's sister. Uh, you know, the last soundbite we played from her talked about the burning up of the memories that were so precious and turning them to ashes. Well, now, where, where do you go after being going through all of those difficult, difficult times? I have leaned on the Lord, my family, and church members more. When they give me advice, I listen. I pray more. I especially look for the little breadcrumbs God leaves me so I know what the next step is, where he's leading me. He seems to reveal information little by little in his own perfect timing. And if I watch intently for his direction, I know the way to go. If you've been betrayed, lean on the Lord and your loved ones. If you've betrayed someone, confess and apologize, both to the person and to God. If you're thinking of betraying someone, 
don't. Stop and consider the irrevocable damage that you're about to do. You know, and you can you can tell that that is written by and spoken by someone who has been dragged through the mud and is desperately standing for something and and and, and saying I'm not going down there anymore and just 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 trying to take those steps. Julie, what 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 do we do? Where do we go from here? Again, your family's experience specifically. Well, you know, we chose today's title very carefully. How do I strike back from betrayal? And aside from the obvious and intentional <laughs> allusion to Star Wars, <laughs> where Lando Calrissian betrayed Han Solo in The Empire Strikes Back <laughs> and were reconciled when Han forgave Lando, the title might give the appearance that we will get back at the person who betrayed us. And so I think forgiveness, we have to start talking about that before this ends. Um, we're both revenge, we've talked about justice, and forgiveness, though, um, starts to play into this topic. Okay, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So some practical ideas to begin getting the thought of healing. Um, some of the things that, that, are, that are, seem to be working very well is writing a letter to the one who has betrayed you. Now, you're not sending this letter at this point, and likely you will never send it. Um, it's just a way that you can really, you're journaling, and you're getting your thoughts out, and you're saying everything that you want to say to this person that you're probably not going to be able to say in person, and that has a healing benefit to it. You know, betrayal is like a trauma. You've suffered a trauma if you've been betrayed, and so it's important to take care of yourself at this time. Do something fun. Do something that's healthy. Focus on someone else to the extent that you're able. Maybe you can volunteer at an animal shelter for the day, or you can go read to the elderly. Take a break from your immediate situation and, and, and go help somebody else in a small way. Um, maybe you want to go take a walk if you're able. Pay close attention to nature. What do you hear? What do you see? Again, the focus isn't on you and your pain 100% of the day. Um, maybe you can fix something. You've got a sense of accomplishment. I can clean out a sock drawer like nobody's business when I'm going through problems. <laughs> and boy, do I feel good afterward. Because it's just that little tiny thing that you are capable and you are valuable. And maybe you want to plan something in the future. I know it's hard to see the future. Plan something. Plan dinner with a friend. Plan a local baseball game. Go to a local play. Something that you have something on the calendar that you can look forward to that's positive and where you're not stuck in the mire of this every day. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? So just some thoughts. Okay. So, so a lot of little practical things to say, okay, get back on the horse of life and decide that you're moving forward. This has got to be intentional and it's got to be clear. And again, doing that along with those who care about you, who are going to be those positive influences is so important. Having prayer at the fr front of your mind is incredibly important. Getting the help you need is so really, really desperately important. And putting these things together and taking steps. And, and you know, forgiveness, you, you had mentioned that, and we've got uh, like two minutes here. Um, forgiveness is a really, really huge aspect of this thing. Because we've got to get to the point of forgiving. And I, and I want to, I wanna, a lot of times we think about forgiveness and say, well, yeah, but is, doesn't that let them off the hook? And the answer is no. Forgiveness lets you off the hook. Forgiveness is 
letting, taking what they have done to you and, and, and pushing it away from you so whatever it is they have done does not affect you anymore. I forgive you means you no longer rule my life with the wrong that you've done to me. I will leave you in God's hands for God's judgment in God's time in God's way, and I will be content with that. And that is huge to get to that point of forgiveness. God will take care of it in his time. We don't have to worry about that. So, Jonathan, let's go to, again, we're, we're just about out of time here. Just, Jonathan, read for us comfort for the betrayed here. God will not allow us to be tested beyond our capacity. God never betrays. Action is necessary on our part to halt our wasting away. Okay, determination, passion need to be expressed by doing. Get up, get out, get busy. With what? Well, first, get back in the boat. Exposure, remember exposure, you know, that can ruin you. Oh, exposure ends of the boat, the safe haven of care of Jesus. Show your faith and trust by works. Let's go quickly to Matthew 14, 31 and 32. This is after Peter's failed attempt at walking on the water. Here's what happens. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. He got into the boat. That's the end of that. Julie, we are pretty much out of time. Uh, 20 seconds to give some wrap-up thoughts. All right. At ChristianQuestions.com, episode 872, Is Forgiveness Really Necessary? Go ahead and take a listen to that podcast. It was excellent. How do we strike back at betrayal? Four quick points. One, be on guard not to be a betrayer. Be trustworthy. Have integrity. Two, work through the various stages of grief with honesty and with the knowledge that you are strong enough to bear this. Three, find a support system with your friends and family. And four, get in the boat. God will never betray you. He himself has been betrayed over and over and has given us so many biblical examples, including his son, for us to copy and see that there's brighter days ahead. All of our trials will help us be stronger for others. Jonathan, Julie, thanks so much for being with us here. This has been such an important subject. And folks, it's important, it's, it's inspiring to listen to, but you've got to do something about it. Go act in accordance with building your life back in a godly fashion, and God will bless you, and then you can bless others. For Jonathan and Rick and Julie and Christian Questions, betrayal is real, and it can be overcome. Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions and iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Rate us, review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Next week, is Christianity a healing religion? Talk to you then. <laughs>